This season, the Old Gold Club and Wolves TV Matchday Live are powered by Blythe Group. An industry-leading construction company and family-run business since 1982, driving investment and infrastructure across the UK. Blythe Group's mission is to provide an unrivaled service based on innovative, bespoke building solutions and comprehensive customer support. If you're a skilled tradesperson and you want to join the team that powers our team, contact their bases in Wolverhampton, Manchester or Maidenhead via theblythegroup.co.uk. Blythe Group. Big enough to deliver, small enough to care. Old Gold Club, powered by Blythe Group, official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. So hello there and welcome along to another episode of My Golden Game from Old Gold Club. Um I'm Mikey Burrows. Hello there. Uh, we at the start when we kind of said that we wanted to do this, it wasn't just going to be former players that we wanted to talk to about those kind of matches that la- meant lasting memories for them. And so we've kind of branched out. And one person we've reached out to is someone that I've spoken to an awful lot during lockdown: comedian, podcaster, Wolves fan. Uh, anything else we can add to the list, Tom Parry? Oh, I think that just about does it. I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> a friend, friend, Mike. Friend, friend. Uh, season <laughs> re-reviewer. Yes. Because um, we needed you during lockdown. Well, the club called and I asked and I answered. Um, it was uh, it was a treat to spend lockdown watching old seasons with you. I very much felt like you were in, in my support bubble during lockdown. It <laughs> yeah. felt like felt like me, you, and Tim Spears of the Athletic uh, got to form a special relationship during lockdown. Is but, it uh, what, like genuinely though? Was it weird when you get contacted by your football club to say we want you to do some work for us? Yeah, I mean, the initial thing that goes through your head when they say it's it's Wolverhampton Wanderers here, you immediately go back to that childhood kind of wish where you half expect them to say, look, we're a player down. <laughs> we need, you know, <laughs> have you got the kit? <laughs> and you kind of, that's where your brain first goes to. But, uh, you know, it wasn't quite that, but I was happy to, uh, happy to do what I do best, which is watch football and, and then get to talk about it. It was lovely. Yeah, lovely. Cause, and you mentioned having the kit. You've got lots of kits, I know for a fact, because I've seen you on Zoom wearing lots of different ones. And we saw you on BBC One during lockdown on a on an FA Cup programme wearing a vintage Wolves top. Yeah, absolutely. I had to represent. That was... Uh... Yeah, that that was uh, for a BBC One show remembering um, the 50 greatest uh, FA Cup moments. Um, and uh, we were brought on, me and my friends who were in a sketch group, to talk about talk through some of those moments. But the other two guys in my sketch group know nothing about football, so they just sit there and look at me, and I got to chat about the, the, the FA Cup clip, so I thought I might as well represent and put the, my wolf shirt on. There is, but there is an element of it though that like it did kind of it, it struck me watching it which was like 
Wolves haven't won the FA Cup since 1960. It was like the and and there's been a lot of FA Cup heartache. So inviting a Wolves fan on just didn't seem like it was a sensible thing to do. Yeah, I'm not. I don't think any of the moments involved the Wolves actually, uh, which is a shame because actually my you know my golden game is an FA Cup yeah. game. So I thought maybe it would have featured, but uh, it didn't get on at all. So uh, yeah, it's a shame. Well, let's talk about it because it's we're going back to the eighth of February, nineteen ninety five, for the fourth round. So the yeah, it's the fourth yeah. round replay. Yeah. So, I mean, the fourth round replay between Wolves and Sheffield Wednesday. And look, there are obviously much more important Wolves matches there that I've been at. There are obviously games that probably have meant more, you know, some of the big uh, baggies, derbies and some of the, you know, the obviously the playoff final, all those kind of things. But I, I, I genuinely struggle to remember uh, a game um, that was just felt so magical. And, and I think like, I was, you know, it's nine, mid 90s. I was 15 and it was a freezing cold February evening. And it was just when people talk about like the magic of the cup, it was a sensational evening. And it just was one of those every so often football brings along a game that you're at or that you're, you're watching that just reminds you of how magical a sport it can be. And I think, you know, I'd been a season ticket holder at the Molyneux for a few seasons at that point. And obviously I'd followed England through um Italian 90 and Euros and my overwhelming experience of football had been heartbreak and disappointment really <laughs> and and, uh, and then this game came along and showed me that things can be different and, and that's how it felt it was like one of those it was like an epiphany of like oh this is what this is what football can be like it was great because <laughs> on the face of it People who maybe are a bit younger will look at it, look this game up and go, it was 1-1 after extra time. Well, 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 well. I mean, I think I think we should definitely say, and I, I don't know if you feel like this, Mikey, but it, it was back in the day when the FA Cup still really mattered. And it, like a, a good cup run was, you know season could could define your season especially when as you know we were in the 90s kind of mired in in the first division and and, and, you know struggling to make the playoffs a a magic cup run you know brought a bit of life into the gloom and and, uh, and so this had this had some this had some ingredients that set it up to be a special night which was that like in the in the first it was a replay and in the first game Sheffield Wednesday were in the Premier League and they were kind of Premier League mainstayers, really. Like in the mid nineties, they were one of those teams that belonged in the Premier League, where Wolves could never get to. So um, it was a, you know, they were a big team. Well, they'd and been in at, the final two years earlier, final of both competitions. But I think, yeah, that's they? right. Do you remember they had both fi- they had both those finals against Arsenal. Yeah. They had like uh, that epic kind of season. Uh, and you're looking at players like you know Des Walker. Uh, obviously famously Chris Waddle but like Mark Bright Chris Bart Williams Andy Sinton like proper 90s icons really uh, Trevor Francis their manager and we'd gone to Hillsborough and 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 you know held our own but in the last minute of the first the, the first game they'd got a penalty and so obviously it looked like it was curtains and then Paul Jones 
who was in for an injured uh, Mike Stahl saved the penalty. So already it was like that was a bit of a miracle. It was like, oh wow, we've you know we got out of jail there and we've earned this replay. Um, and I don't know if that I don't know if it's because it was quite a spectacular kind of that last minute penalty save from Paul Jones, but I just remember the atmosphere of this tie being absolutely electric and like Molyneux was just really really up for it um and, and also having Chris Waddle in town obviously like it was five years ago but no one had forgotten about his penalty miss in Italia 90 and you know we were st- I, I mean I feel it's, it's never it's never something to be that proud of but like we were jeering him every time he got the ball and it was just like <laughs> it was like there was like real magic in Boo, the air that night you <laughs> ruined our dreams <laughs> you ruined my childhood you know, he was still this kind of pantomime character and it was I think the, obviously it was the first time we'd ever seen him at the Molyneux since Italia 90 because he was a Premier League player and so like we really were giving him loads of stick and uh oh god it was just like the crowd were up for it it was freezing cold it was one of those nights where um <laughs> i had i had my i remember it my dad told me uh when i was first got a season ticket and it got to the winter he said look there's no shame in this son i've got a pair of trampoline trousers which is a, a polite way of describing leggings really let's be honest and he was like i've got these trampoline trousers that i used to wear at college when i was trampolining put them on under your jeans <laughs> when it's gonna be cold you don't have to tell anyone so so on the really cold nights i remember putting trampoline trousers on to go to the molyneux and the Wolf Sheffield Wednesday night was a proper... It was a real trampoline trouser night. Because I remember I had my trampoline trousers on. It was freezing cold. The sky cameras were in, which was, you know, obviously still... That was still felt like a big occasion. And and, and it was just cracking. And, and like, we really got at them, you know. The, the, we came out of the gates. And I remember the, the first half was really lively. And, you know, Dave Kelly was on a real hot streak. He scored and we were in the lead. And it looked like there could be a, you know, a surprise here. And then they equalised... Uh, the scrappy goal and then I mean like, this is where the magic really kicks in is is like the the penalty shootout that it ended up in well actually just it nearly didn't go to a penalty shootout because um, Mark Bright had an absolute sitter uh, and like, I remember Chris Waddle played incredibly well he was probably uh, man of the match really he's, he's just such a good player and he's you know created a lot of chances for them but he set up Mark Bright with about a minute to go and it was a uh, yeah and you nearly had an accident in your trampoline trousers <laughs> yeah no, that's it and he blazed it over the bar and it was just like oh here we go and then it was it was penalty shootout and I've, i think it was the first ever penalty shoot well it was definitely the first ever penalty shootout i'd seen at the molyneux and i think it was the first penalty shootout to happen at the molyneux in years so it was just so exciting and i think you know we were a team you know devoid of that kind of we we didn't get that kind of excitement very often and so it was just like it was just so exciting and then so then the penalty shooter happened and it has to go down uh, and i've you know i've heard quite a lot of i've heard quite a few neutrals say the same it's got to go down as one of the most dramatic penalty shootouts in you know any competition's history it was just it was just brilliant well, yeah, it's like how much of it is, of you, it being your golden game is based on the fact that I don't think I've ever seen a penalty shootout where 
you, you know the team that misses the first two and are effectively three nil down come back to win like that is a swing that you just don't tend to see in a penalty shootout yeah that's it and and, and like it just has like all the like it, it was just a game that seemed to have for a fourth round cup tie just so many stories going on like paul jones you know getting his chance to be a first the first team keeper already having saved a penalty he then goes on to save two penalties in this penalty shootout and it's like suddenly that's a keeper who in two games has gone on to save three penalties on the bounce that's sensational you know that's such a great narrative and then you've got like you know Chris Bart Williams missing two penalties both against Paul Jones and then obviously um, you know Waddle stepping up to take the final penalty uh, and trying to you know rid kind of the the monkey off his back and Molyneux was just going bananas and then Paul Jones you know picked the right way and saved Chris Waddle's penalty it was just like there was just an awful so many narratives going on in the penalty shootout and I'll tell you what I'll tell you what else makes it quite a rare penalty shootout as well it's like Tomo who was our penalty taken like scores you know, week in, week out, we get a penalty. You just think, we'll stick it on 1-0 yeah. because Tomo's picked up the ball. And he hit the bar. <laughs> and it's like, Tomo never did that. He never... And it, if you look at the penalties that were taken in the penalty shootout, it was a spectacular penalty shootout. Like, probably about nine of the penalties are blasted into the roof of the net by, like, any all different penalty takers. And I think, like... It was so weird to watch Tomo do that, but he steps up for our first penalty and he's normally, you know, bang, left corner, cool, calm and collected. Bosch tucks it away. And uh, instead he leant back and smacked it against the bar. But that kind of set the trend then for like really dramatic penalties where, you know, people were just trying to do spectacular stuff. Um, I don't know if you remember, but the third Sheffield Wednesday penalty was taken by Kevin Preston, yes. their, key, their keeper. And and it's one of the best penalties you'll ever see in your life. Like, he just absolutely smashes it. In, it's, no, it hits the stanchion, just like rams it through. Jonah barely moves. Um, and again, it, I, I was re-watching the highlights this morning and... Uh, you could really hear, hear the Molly. You start singing "Who Ate All the Pies." It was just, it was Kevin Pressman. It was just one of those nights where the Molyneux was on such good form. Like, and even when like Tomo misses his first penalty, and immediately you can hear the crowd all singing, "There's only one Tomo. There's only one Tomo." Like Robbie Dennison misses the second penalty, and everyone's singing "Robbie, Robbie, Robbie, Robbie Dennison." And it was just like, it just felt like there was just this brilliant energy around Molyneux that kind of got us over the line it was incredible because that that's quite an interesting point because the you know there is this perception sometimes of Molyneux as being a really difficult place and that expectation is high all the time and it can get on top of players sometimes and you do hear opposition players talk about it a lot about you know because they always say you know silence the crowd but there is this perception that Molyneux is worse than some other places so to hear that maybe on that night of all nights it was the other way round kind of maybe tells part of the story does it yeah yeah absolutely for, I, I think that's part of part of it for me is it was just just such a you know from the emotions of the evening were very positive and very joyful and I think because we'd taken a Premier League team to a replay everyone was delighted with that and then we gave you know we gave such a good account of ourselves played so well as a team 
um, that like everyone was, it just had that kind of, there was a real party atmosphere, even when we were, you know, three nil down in, in a penalty shootout, there was still right there behind the team. Cause I mean, like, I, I think it's different re- in recent seasons, certainly when you look since, since Nuno came in, the, the, the kind of, Molyneux atmosphere is very positive and it feels like there's a real un- you know unity between the team and the support but that was very different back in the 90s and I think it's it's a very true thing that the Molyneux could be a, a really poisonous atmosphere even like after 10 minutes if, if, if things hadn't gone our way because such was the weight of expectation from you know from from us supporters in that in that mid nineties period, it was kind of like we were just so desperate to join the Premier League party. Everyone knew it's where the club belonged, and and, and it was kind of those kind of crucial years where you were watching the top flight get richer and move seemingly out of sight, um, and we weren't part of that. And 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 obviously clubs like Sheffield Wednesday were. So there was this sort you know a lot of expectation around the Molyneux, but on this night it, it was just a really really yeah positive crowd really fun positive crowd um it's an incredible penalty shootout as you mentioned don goodman is the coolest guy ever when he hits the winner and just kind of almost like cantonar-esque from a couple of years after it happened just turning around and yeah. looking around for the adulation of everybody <laughs> to come towards him like yep yeah, of course i did course i scored really iconic stuff and i think like i think that night i think like that kind of image and him putting in the final penalty i don't think we were completely convinced by don goodman at that stage i think he was still kind of he hadn't been with us too long and i think he'd come from the baggies and we weren't we hadn't completely made our mind up about him but it was like images like that on the back page of the express star that really kind of i think started the you know the love affair with Don Goodman that I don't think has stopped. Really, he's such a you know everyone's we love him so much at the club. But I think that that was one of the first nights where that started to you know things started to work for Don at the Wolves. And, and actually, those those last three penalties are sensational. Like you look at um, David Kelly, John De Wolf took our fifth penalty. That's mad, isn't it? Like you look at it and you go, it was still all up to play for, and and. Our fifth penalty, fifth and final penalty taker was John DeWolf. <laughs> so, like, but as we know from doing the re-reviews, he, when Tomo didn't play, he kind of was on penalty duty. I remember yeah. thinking, like, why is he on it? Yeah, I know. I think I've got a feeling he. I think when he signed for the club, his agent must have done a lot of good stuff for him because it was like very quickly had the captain's armband and very quickly tried to take penalty taking off Tomo. I think that was part of his part of his conditions we get into the club but I mean it was a great penalty like he he side foots it really confidently into the top corner so you look at it, it's like it's like David Kelly goes roof of the net John DeWolf goes top corner and then Don Goodman smacks it into the roof of the net as well and to reprieve Tomo I, I was reading in the Express and Star that um apparently as Don Goodman was leaving the huddle to walk up for the penalty Tomo advised him he said Pressman's moving really early. Just stick it straight down the middle, and uh, Goodman listened to Tomo. So Tomo gets a reprieve in the end. I think <laughs> <laughs> apparently you'll have to ask him if that's true or not. Well, but, I, uh, do you know like the thing that kind of that strikes me out of all of this is that you started talking about this game by saying that it kind of um, 
like you'd grown up on disappointment of things and and this was a night when you realized that football could give you joys and that and yet when you look at it wolves end, end up losing a home replay to palace in the quarter final and this is the season whereby the travesty of the playoff semi-final at bolton happens I mean that's a that's a wonderful juxtaposition of footballing joys and sorrows in the space of like what three months, yeah. As a fifteen-year-old was... or what you were at the time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and it and that was supporting Wolves during the nineties. You know, it was, and we that was a good team. You know, that was a that was a high-scoring team with uh, you know Graham Taylor at the helm, who was a really good manager, and and it did feel like. Uh, it did feel like things were going to happen, and we, you know, we knocked we knocked Palace out the cup, then we knocked Leicester out the cup. So that was two Premier League teams that we'd knocked out the cup already, um, and then uh, yeah, Crystal Palace absolutely shafted us at Molyneux. Um, in fact, that was the game where those two goals stuck in the stanchion. I don't know if you remember. That. It's like two of the most spectacular goals you could see. But um, and then and then obviously, I mean, I think the 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 Bolton playoff, I think, is perhaps the most uh, devastated I could remember being as a Wolves fan, to be honest. Because at the time, it felt like uh, it was all or nothing. It felt like we had to go up that season, and and and, and we didn't. Um, so so I wonder if that's why this you know this game has such emotional resonance with me is because for for one glorious night it really did feel like things were clicking into place and uh, you know miracles do happen. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Old Goal Club, powered by Blythe Group. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts. Wolves TV, the home of live uninterrupted radio commentary of every single Wolves game. But that's not all. Wolves TV also brings you extended and alternative match highlights, interviews with the team, behind-the-scenes features and training coverage, plus see every goal Wolves score from every angle. So check out Wolves TV online at wolves.co.uk or on the move via the Wolves app.